Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Stark. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, I'd happy to. Um, I am a former software developer who's now on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing. <laughs> I used to be, geez, when did I get my start in software? I started way back in like the, well, when I was little, I learned basic on my dad's like IBM PC. It had like no hard drive or anything. It was just two floppy disks. And that was in the 80s. And then I kind of went into music for a while. And then I decided I wanted to make some money. So I went back into software. <laughs> and I, I fell one, I sort of backed my way into learning a desktop application called FileMaker and mm -hmm. started making a pretty good living doing FileMaker development, ended up going into web development. And then the iPhone came out a few years later, and I ended up getting into mobile development. And I wrote a book for O'Reilly about building iPhone apps with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And that was a big hit. It was very luckily, but very well-timed, just out of luck. And that got translated into like a bunch of languages and got me a bunch of consulting work and so on and so forth. Speaking uh, circuit. Speaking circuit, more books. Um, and, and, uh, and, I, and I had an unusual business model, which is that I didn't bill by the hour. Uh, I used value pricing for my projects and a lot of people, other software developers who were self-employed were very curious about that because nobody really likes billing by the hour. They just <laughs> think it's the only option. Uh, so then I started writing books about that and kind of pivoted away from doing development into helping developers build a better business model and things like that. Uh, but I did, I did for two, I had two internal software jobs. I know your audience is um, more you know, full-time employee, internal type of people. Mm -hmm. And I had a, for, I guess it was about three years, I was in the internal advertising department at Staples, which I think at the time was a, a Fortune 50. I don't know if they still are, but uh, so mm -hmm. I was in, internal there doing application development and workflow systems for the advertising department, which was probably about 200 people, I'm going to guess. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I, when I became dissatisfied with that, I left there and went to a FileMaker consulting firm that was very well-known called the Moyer Group, where I kind of worked my way up there, uh, became the VP, and then eventually I went solo because I wanted to stop billing by the hour. <laughs> yeah, I think you you at some point told a told a story about what really drove home uh, why why you thought hourly billing was was silly when you were at the the dev shop. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I I recognized at one point that our best dev was losing us money or, or we're barely breaking even at best. And our most junior dev was making us tons of money because we billed everybody out at a blended rate of $150 an hour. And, you know, say that the junior dev was making 45 and the senior dev was making 90 or a hundred. And the junior dev was really slow and had to do things over and over again. And the, the, the best dev was like, you know, did, did stuff <laughs> fast and well and, and ready for another assignment, you know? So mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because <laughs> you got like higher margin and more hours on the junior day. Right. So <laughs> I was like, and, and I couldn't, I could not unsee that once I noticed it. And I, I, mm -hmm. and so the crazy thing about that story is it took me weeks to even start to question the business model. And, and billing by the hour trading time for money. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, if we use project, like fixed prices for our projects, mm -hmm. our best dev would suddenly be our most profitable dev. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. And there was a lot of other reasons. I was in charge of whipping the devs to get their timesheets <laughs> making sure they were accurate and, and, you know, basically telling lies and proposals about how many hours something was going to take, even though I tried my best to make them mm -hmm. accurate, they always went over and it was just fighting about timesheets, hours, 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 hours. And then when I, when I realized the, the profitability issue of, you know, getting punished for being better, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I just couldn't. So mm -hmm. went solo, started with value pricing my projects and, uh, the rest was history. I haven't looked back. So uh, I think a lot of, I mean, I'm sure uh, many of our listeners might actually be at agencies, dev shops, 
uh, things like that. Um, but I think many of them are are not in that world. Um, and I guess curious what your your thinking are thinking is on like what what would make them successful? Because I assume it's not going to be oh well you know work slower and and uh, you know <laughs> introduce more bugs. That's gonna that's gonna help. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean. Right. That's the thing with with uh, any kind of time based compensation is like if you want to raise, just work slower. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a similar mindset to being an independent consultant working directly with clients. It's like you want to deliver value to the stakeholder. And mm -hmm. and I know from being there and I, for years and years and years, I was just I was a real craftsman with first FileMaker development, then web development, and then mobile web development. I, I loved the craft. I loved all the little idiosyncrasies and tips and tricks. And, um, and when I was doing it, it was, it was really before the wave of frameworks mm -hmm. came crashing over the, the dev landscape. Rails was just starting to be a thing when I was starting to get more into higher level undertakings i guess uh so like i missed the boat on rails and i really once once you miss that boat you know you're basically you know i was just not gonna not gonna learn rails i wasn't gonna mm -hmm. learn laravel i wasn't gonna learn react um all that stuff's really cool or whatever but you know after you know i'm 52 so you see that you just see the wheel getting reinvented over and over and over. And and I, I remember old farts when I was young saying the exact same thing, like mm -hmm. Pearl's fine. Why do we need, you know, C's fine. Like why do you need these <laughs> stupid abstractions? You guys just don't want to learn or, you know, guys and gals just don't want to learn the mm -hmm. right way, you know? Yeah. So just it, do assembly. Come on, stop whining. Yeah. Seriously. It's a big <laughs> deal. Uh, Cobalt, anybody? So, you know, so th things have changed dramatically between a, a combination of things like Git wasn't around. So like, so mm -hmm. but the combination of Stack Overflow, GitHub and this wave of frameworks, I think they all kind of fed each other. And it just got way easier to build stuff. And, and it was back when I was in my early, you know, mid 20s, and early 30s, when I was coding, like I was a coder, I would go to a bookstore and I would it, like Barnes and Noble and go to the software development section and look at, uh, you know, just stand there and like, you know, look for a book that really grabbed my attention. And then I go buy it. And it was, it was, there was a lot of friction to learning new stuff because you had to physically go somewhere and it cost a significant amount of, you know, non-trivial amount of money, you know, 40 bucks mm -hmm. or something for a book. And then you had to like sit there and read it and do the exercise, you know, so so chasing the latest shiny thing was a costly endeavor. So it wasn't as much of it. You know, you kind of like. Oh, man, I think that's such like a good, a good point. Um, hearing, hearing that at the beginning, I'm thinking like, oh, man, dark days. Like that was like so. Yeah, that was, that was so much worse. It was like more costly. You couldn't learn new things. But on the other hand, I mean, it's, it's a balance because I think a lot of probably a lot of my listeners, uh, something that happens is they it's so easy to to see something new and be like, oh, I could just learn that right now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just flitting from one thing to the next uh, doesn't really lead to the best results either. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it you get a, a little bit of exposure to a lot of things. It's very shallow. My experience with, you know, back when you had a actual paper book was that you'd go way deeper into individual things and you didn't switch tools as fast. Where mm -hmm. these days it feels like if you're not up to date on the latest lingo or like whatever the the latest thing built on top of React is, then you're like a loser or your <laughs> career is, you know, you're not cool or friends aren't gonna hang out with you anymore. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. you haven't heard of like flopped, you know, it's, it's like whatever. Um, so as someone on the sidelines, it's 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 almost comical there how many new things I mean I haven't been I, I talk to software developers every single day mm -hmm. and I you know I hear them talk you know when we talk about writing proposals and things so these the terms come up and I've gotten to the point where I just stop asking what it is you know like I used to be like ooh what's that but like mm -hmm. it's just this never ending parade of new stuff so there's no point being that there's no way to keep up with it and I fundamentally believe 
that trying to keep up with it doesn't really do that much for your career. You know, you, you're more in touch with this. And maybe I have seen some situations for people who are like, who have been in a position for a long time and they're amazing at like, say, Rails. But mm-hmm. Rails isn't the the latest and greatest anymore. It's not like the shiny cool kid. So if their resume kind of stagnated and it doesn't look like they're a modern web developer, then I don't know that might that might hurt your job prospects. You could tell me. I don't know. That's the but that's the only argument I can think of. Uh, and and to think that it would be hard for a great Rails developer to get a job is a joke. Um, you know, you could, you can definitely get a job if you're a great rails developer. Yeah. I think, I think what can happen is, yeah, if you, let's say, yeah, let's, let's use rails as an example. Pretty sure that was like, when did rails become big? 2006, seven, eight, something, something like that. Right. And so let's say you, you know, did rails, followed its develop development wound up at a company that just wanted to stick with it and for whatever reason didn't make a whole lot of business sense to to branch out and then for some reason that goes under gets acquired you got an exit you're look you're looking for something new yeah it probably that with that resume there's many companies that would look at you and be like well you don't have you don't really have the thing that we're looking for like if you came on you wouldn't really be able to hit the ground running and that's not really what we're looking for and so i could imagine that would scare people but on the other hand i think you can also just imagine that there are plenty of companies that uh would love a specialist like that they have a you know an aging rails code base and they just need somebody who knows it inside and out can come in start producing as opposed to, I guess, sort of that opposite and where someone is, you know, constantly up on whatever the latest thing is, they know flipped because they're not going to, they're not, they're going to, that person we know is going to come in and be like, you guys are using, you know, 10 year old technology. Like we need to rewrite it from scratch. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Please, please, anyone listening, please never use those words. Never. (laughs) <laughs> it's so rare that you actually need to rewrite something from scratch and it's disastrous for the business like nine times out of 10. Um, but which kind of yeah. gets to the point that I think we're kind of working around, which is, you know, you're there, you, you get paid money to show up and do something that the company believes will be a positive return on investment. So they pay you a dollar to make $2. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the world doesn't owe you or the universe doesn't owe you you know, a handsome income for engaging in your favorite activities and jumping from, you know, getting your Mm. boss to pay you or trying to convince your boss that, you know, we need to start bolting in. I mean, I remember when people started to like, oh, we need to put a, this, this layout, this application that's built in Rails, uh, it's got this new layout. We have to use React for this new Mm -hmm. layout or this new view. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, you don't, (laughs) you know, you don't. Yeah. you want to. That's the thing. You want to. You want to be able to put Rails on, I mean, React on your resume. You want to be able to play with the new shiny tools. You want to talk to your friends about it at the meetup afterwards. Yeah, I, I totally get the motivation, but your boss does not care about that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to advance your career, I think it's a much better use of time. Instead of trying to keep up with the flavor of the day JavaScript framework, I think it's a much better approach to figure out how to make your boss look good. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you'll do you'll set yourself apart from all the other developers, that's for sure. Yeah. And so I think I, I think where some people, you know, listening, uh, I think, worry about this is they see a lot of these job posts that are talking more about the, the implementations rather than the outcomes. And I think when you're talking about making the boss look good, that's more of an outcome and the phrase that comes to mind for me, which is not exactly a good fit, but it, it's certainly what, what I think about, which is that people people don't buy quarter inch drills, they buy quarter inch holes. But yet yeah. it seems like all these job posts are like, hey, you know, we want quarter inch drills. So like how like how does that yeah, how does how does that get squared up? Like how how can listeners think about that in a way that's not 
maddening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, your boss is a choice, as Mike Montero says. So mm. I think it's a question of finding the right company, honestly. Um, I, and I recognize what you're saying is is true. Most job posts are like a laundry list of acronyms. You know, need someone with five years of experience with Flupped. It's like, it just came out. <laughs> you know, Recruiters I, are the best. Right, right. And so they're looking for cogs. They're looking for a, a, a gear that's shaped like, or they're mm -hmm. looking for a, a, a block that's shaped like the hole they have. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, you know, better than probably almost anybody, how bad job posts can be. Like, they're, oh, yeah. they're just terrible. Yeah. So if you, I guess if I were looking for a, for an internal position and it had, it's kind of, it's, you know what it's like? It's in, in my world, the parallel in my world, the consulting world is RFPs. Because RFPs are mm. equally bad mm -hmm. because they're this self-diagnosis by non-experts of what the malady is. So it's like, it's like a patient diagnosing their own illness and looking for a doctor that's a specialist in that illness, but the patient's not qualified to diagnose themselves. Mm -hmm. And so RFPs and job postings are similar in that way where they're like, I don't know. I mean, we know what our code is written in, so probably we need stuff like that. But then how do we tell the difference between Alice and Bob when they both have the same skill set? And it's like, oh, well, Bob had a typo in his resume. So <laughs> you know, he doesn't have right. good attention to detail. Right. Oh, yeah. So, the proxy, the proxy tests. If, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think so the, what, what you do with RFPs is you circumvent the, the, the pitch, you circumvent the, the whole RFP process. So if I were going to, this might be a little bit to ask someone who's kind of new in the workforce, but I would try and circumvent the process, be different. So um, go in there. And I mean, this is really, really outside of my expertise, but but I've hired a lot of people mm -hmm. and the ones that can circumvent the process in a way that reads my mind are they're automatically going to go to the front of the pack. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's like the, the list of acronyms is kind of like the gatekeeper. And yeah, I think you just need to circumvent the interview process. Be like, yeah, I've got these things or I've got a working knowledge of most of them. Um, because having been on the hiring side, you, you maybe don't really know what to put in the job post. So you just list the stuff you list the tools that are currently in use. But when someone comes along and they're, and they're just like a great hire and they have this kind of um, entrepreneurial mindset, or they understand a little bit about business outcomes, all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, this person is like smart. They get it. Uh, they're not going to tell us to rewrite the whole application because it's not. Flopped. <laughs> so <laughs> it's that that is going to jump you to the front of the pack. So I would say first just stick to your guns. If you just know Rails but you're amazing at it, just look for companies that need Rails. There's tons mm -hmm. of them. I know someone right now mm -hmm. who's hiring gr a great job for Rails devs, not just one. And it, again, it's not mm -hmm. the shiny new technology, but it is a proven reliable framework that is in use and is delivering great business value all over the place. So I, you know, my advice to someone looking for an internal, you know, full-time job, I'd say, well, like, well, what are you great at? And go find someone that needs it. And then once you get in there, if you want to work your way up, then it's a question, it's much more of a question of delivering business value, uh, you know, mm -hmm. AKA making your boss look good. Yeah. I mean, I, I recently, you know, for the, you know, the, the, the private junior senior community, we've got Q and A every month. And uh, the, at this last one, you know, question that, that has kind of come up uh, before uh, in different forms came up again, which is how do you choose which frameworks to learn, you know, so that you become really valuable to all these companies with the, with the job posts, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, you know, how do I, how do I choose like which, <laughs> I don't know, the holes and the blocks It's sort of yeah. like what shaped holes are out there and how do I contort <laughs> myself to fit in to the one, like the most, you know, abundant or, or best paying right ones and yeah like i definitely see the the allure um i mean i think i think it's it's interesting right because because what you just said you've you've got this phrase of um for consultants which is to niche down pigeonhole yourself uh which is sort of related to the idea that as if you're looking for a full-time positions yeah like 
have have experience in React, have experience in Vue, have experience in Rails. Like so that way you could you could apply to all of these and maybe get one of them. Whereas I think your opinion is, well, what what can you do? Like what are you good at? What do you like doing? And then sort of just stick to that and find find a good fit. Don't don't really try and contort yourself to to all the possible things that are that are out there. Yeah, the holes are just going to keep changing. So mm-hmm. there is there's like no way to pick it. So it, it's mm-hmm. much more reliable. So I heard this great quote from Jeff Bezos one time, and he was on stage at this like futurist kind of conference. And the interviewer asked him, you know, what's what's going to be new in the next 10 years? And he was like, I think a much more useful question is what's not going to be new? Mm-hmm. And and you can see that Amazon was completely built on this premise because he said, you know, what's not going to be new in 10 years? What's going to be exactly the same as it is today? People are always going to want lower prices and they're always going to want their stuff faster. <laughs> They're never going to want higher prices. They're never going to want their stuff slower. And they completely went after that. And I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what what do engineering managers want today? And what are they going to want next year and 10 years after that? Right. It's not, and it's not going to be, the answer to that question, the real answer to that question isn't going to be shiniest new framework the real answer to that question is they're going to want to ship stable features fast. That's never going to change. And maybe certain frameworks are a little bit better suited to edge case types of applications or whatever. Like, I'm not going to argue that, but if you think of, if you picture like three circles in your mind and one is skills, another one is passions and another one is markets. And you figure out what, you know, in your skills, you list all the things that you're really good at all the things, not just, you know, and I don't mean like frameworks necessarily, but all the things, maybe you're great at debugging. Maybe you're great at, uh, I don't know. Documentation uh, or communicating. Yeah, great example. Yes. It could be soft skills, whatever. All these things you're good at. And then in the passions circle, there's going to be stuff that maybe you're not good at, but you love Mm -hmm. and you just would do for free Mm -hmm. pretty much. Like stuff you do, not not for someone else, but you do as a hobby in your free time. And then you look for markets who care about the intersection of your talents and passions. And I talk about this in the context of looking for clients or, or niching down or pigeonholing yourself, but you could do the same thing on a job hunt and say, I, I, you know, maybe the overlap of talents and skills will just keep hammering on rails. Like maybe you're awesome at rails. You've been doing it for 10, 15 years. You're on, you're like contributing to the core. Um, you're amazing. You've written a book on it. You're amazing at it. And you also love it. You just think it's great. You just love the, the, um, uh, worldview, the opinionated uh, ness of the of the framework. Mm-hmm. You just align with the worldview of the creators, and you're like, I okay, Rails. Now I need to find markets that need Rails, and in, in this case, it would be employers who need Rails. Mm-hmm. And don't don't beat yourself up or feel like a dinosaur or whatever <laughs> because you you know whatever. If they need React, you can like if you are great. If you're a specialist at something like that. It's guaranteed someone needs it. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think like do you, like is it just com- I I'd imagine it's just common that people feel like they don't want to lock themselves into something like that. But but you know maybe you don't just need to make such a big jump. Like if you get a gig at a Rails place, then over time you can start introducing new technologies that you want to learn, but in a more you know stable, incremental way, and not necessarily trying to you know, make a big, big jump is probably a a good idea. Yeah. As personally, the way that I used to do that stuff was, you know, because I was a file maker developer, it was like a script kitty, basically. And, and it's extremely powerful for for certain things. So I'm not knocking file maker, but I was, I was not a what I would call a not even close to a programmer, I was barely a developer, I was kind of like a power user who could think logically. And, and it was, was really into it and I and I but I knew I wanted to learn web stuff but it was but I but I knew I mean I knew nothing I remember the first time I started uh, I started with just just when PHP 4 was coming out I started to learn web development it was about 2003 and I remember the keyboard smashing fury (laughs) of trying to figure out why my variable substitutions weren't working in a string so I had a quoted string with a variable in the middle of it, and it would just when it would output to the screen, it was just like dollar sign var. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's just hours. I'm like looking at the book. I was totally typing in a physical book, 
totally typing it in the way that it said, but I was uh, using single quotes instead of double quotes because at some point earlier in the book, it said that they were basically interchangeable. And I like the look of the single quotes better, but they don't do, there's a difference. Yeah, interpolation, yeah. Exactly. So I don't know where I was going that, honestly, but <laughs> it was like, <laughs> um, oh, I do. Okay, so the, the problem was I, I had a passion for web development. There, the problem with FileMaker is you needed FileMaker installed and nobody had it. Very, mm -hmm. very, very, you know, on planet Earth, hardly anybody had FileMaker installed, but tons of people had a web browser installed. So I was mm -hmm. really excited about the idea of being able to build applications that like my mom could use without installing mm -hmm. FileMaker. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. I sucked at web development. At, that was the point of the story. I was like a total beginner. And I remember, I remember when I first got that book, it was like, you know, type you know, open quote, you know, like start your PHP, you know, whatever, angle bracket, mm -hmm. question mark, PHP, and type, you know, echo, hello world. And yep. I was like, where? Type it into what? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know, like, I didn't, I was like, how do you launch PHP? Like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so many of, I was just, sorry, I just like, as, as someone who's written uh, technical books, it's, it's amazing how common that is. And that I'm sure in my books, there's tons of th stuff that I just assume the reader knows and they don't and it's rough <laughs> yeah it didn't it, like the concept of a headless application made no sense to me it was a completely foreign concept mm -hmm. so you know php being like an application on the thing but anyway so i was bad i was real bad but the passion mm -hmm. so was a lot of passion a lot, lot of, passion, of passion not a lot of skill no skill like next to zero and if i had let my passion rule the day I would have been looking for ways to wedge web projects into client work that was really should have been FileMaker work. And mm -hmm. that would have been, I, I at least had the wherewithal to understand that that would have been malpractice. I mean, that would have been <laughs> real bad. Mm -hmm. So do that stuff on the side. Like you don't have to let yourself stagnate, your skills stagnate. If, you, if you're really passionate about React and you're basically a Rails developer, Wait, hold on. You're saying you don't need your employer's permission to build a React app? <laughs> See, people want to get paid to learn it. That's the that's yeah. that's the thing that as a as an employer at I was at one time the employer that unless I was explicitly paying them, I would happily pay my devs to you know take a course if mm -hmm. I thought there was going to be some good reason or some you know if I thought the firm was getting behind the times or if I said to filemakers. Uh, in its waning years, let's say we really need to pivot over to something more modern. Then, mm -hmm. I, you know, I pay to put them through a course, maybe, but I'm not going to put them on a client project doing it. Right. That would be that would be bad. That would end up mm -hmm. bad. And and this loops back to the hourly thing. Um, you'd be doing it on your client's dime in your model or in, in the the listener's model. You're doing it on your employer's time without their explicit permission that this is an educational process. It's like, it, it's fine. The employers will pay to educate you. Mm -hmm. But you need to, I think it needs to be explicitly differentiated between the work that you're doing because the quality level is going to be so bad compared to what you're actually good at. Even if you're bored at the thing you're good at, it is not fair for you to advocate to the maybe a non-technical manager that you switch over to this shiny new thing that you want to learn on your employer's dime on your employer's mm. time clock. That is not fair. Yeah, there's something there's something in here that's kind of about honesty um, that uh, is really interesting. As, as someone who's managed a lot of devs, I think that there's it's kind of like what you're saying, like not being honest with the employer or the manager about why you want to use this thing. You and, know, and even yourself, even yourself, like you and, might and, and and I was going to go to that too. I think a lot of uh, developers just may not be honest with themselves either. Um, they're going to see one half of the equation. It's like, okay, well, why should we use this? And it's like, oh, it's so much faster. It can handle more rows. It can, you know, do all this stuff. And you know, you're kind of going to leave out probably what is a huge contributing factor, but you don't want to admit which is, and I read the sweet medium post from this person I really respect, and, and they're using it. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't want to say that out loud, but that's probably a big contributing factor. Yep. And then the other, the other part, too, is what, you, what I always want to hear as a manager and is always rare, but is amazing when I do, is 
when when it's like, okay, why do you want to use this? All the good reasons. And it's like, okay, and why shouldn't we use this? And oftentimes, which is really annoying, is a developer will be like, what? No, there's no downs. You know, it's like, what? No, no, no that, that we should definitely use it. What are you talking about? I'm saying we should use it. Why are you not listening to me? I'm like, yes, yes, I get that. But is there any reason why we shouldn't use this? And then it's always like stumped face, like question mark. And it's like, no, 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 but we should use it because I'm like, okay, okay. But, you know, if you don't have the awareness of any reason and there's oh there should there should always be one reason right this is sort of like oh well, what car should we get it's like tesla tesla s i'm like okay why it's like the best car ever okay is there any reason why we should not get a tesla s like what are you talking about it's the fastest car it's like the nicest elon musk is a god we should get it i'm like <laughs> like come on you should at least be able to come up with the yaris is cheaper or insurance is less expensive or like it's you're not going to worry if it gets scratched or whatever yeah. but it's sort of the same thing on these these projects i get annoyed with the dev is like no we should definitely do this new shiny thing and i'm like okay any reasons not and if they don't come up with anything it's like okay you're you're not thinking about this completely rationally like there's some emotional thing going on yeah. and you're probably not even being honest with your <laughs> with yourself yeah that's a great lit litmus test yeah because they're all the costs like they're ignoring all the costs mm -hmm. the switching costs the opportunity costs the the risk of, yeah, of, risk is something that I find that that is that that is something that managers think about a lot, and probably less so for engineers. And it's kind of like a superpower. Like if you can talk to your manager about about risk and understanding it. Totally. I mean, in your mind, like when you think about risk on software projects, like what what comes to mind for you? Uh, well, since I have the, the business model that I do, or at least when I was doing that stuff, I would give fixed prices for projects. So I base it on value, not on time and materials. Uh, so the risk for me, I was taking loads of risk because if somebody comes to me and they said, hey, we, you know, whatever, we want you to build us a new internal system. Uh, it, well, it, let's use an actual example. It, it was common for people uh, who were FileMaker customers, and I was well known in the FileMaker space, to want to certain a certain class of customer needed to move to MySQL or something like that because they were creating a big web presence, which the web was still kind of new back then. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wanted to be able to expose certain uh, parts of the application to their customers in a browser. And FileMaker was not meant for that, and it is not great at that. So it would be very slow oftentimes. It could not handle, it was not web scale like MongoDB. So... <laughs> So it's great at what it does, but that is not what it was. It's great at what it's for, but it wasn't for that. So it couldn't handle like massive amounts of transactions. Uh, so, was, so I, there, I've had, I had a number of projects where it was like, okay, how do we kind of migrate? How do we fix this issue? We need to be able to handle uh, browser-based stuff that's going to be a lot more, a lot more uh, load on the database. The database can't handle it. What do we do? So I wouldn't, I, you know, a lot of people even to this day would have said, well, my hourly rate's 150 bucks an hour. I wrote the, I literally wrote the book on this stuff. Maybe it's 200 bucks an hour, 250 bucks an hour. I think it'll be about a hundred hours, but maybe 200. Um, you you want to hire me? A lot of people would hmm. do that and mm -hmm. they wouldn't be taking any risk because as long as I put the time in, you have to pay me. <laughs> They'd risk pissing off the client, but that's another. Yeah, well, still, it's, <laughs> yeah, or get, you know, yeah. whatever, get fired. You still get the money. Yeah. So, and not only that, but they probably won't fire you because by the time you go over budget, there have so much sunk cost. Uh, Here's yeah. another cost. Mm -hmm. So much sunk cost that it's, they're like, well, we came this far. We're just going to throw it all out halfway done. We might as well mm -hmm. slog through and hope that, it, you know, it's 90% done and 90% to go. I uh, mm -hmm. hope it's not that. So what, okay. So back to your actual question, I didn't do that. I would say it'll be $200,000 and the outcome will be that you will be able to support X number of concurrent uh, visitors on the website, you know, and they be like, okay. And so now if I'm wrong about how much work it's going to be to make that a reality, the risk is all on me mm -hmm. because, I mean, they're, they're still taking some risk. They still, um, it could fail. Like I could be mm -hmm. wrong. So they're, they're taking some risk. And, and they're also not in addition to the, the money, they're also devoting employee resources because I'm going to have to like be meeting with people and those sorts of things. And so there, there is a fair amount of that. And they're even taking some relationship risk because I'll probably have to meet with some of their customers, key customers and beta testers and things like that. So they're mm -hmm. taking some risks, but I'm, I'm taking a huge risk 
because you know if I think this project's going to take a year and it'll you know and, and it's and I get 200 grand for it period full stop and it takes me two years then yeah, upside down yeah well if yeah I mean it, it cuts my effective hourly rate in half uh, so that's not good the nice part about it is that the client doesn't freak out because the client's not paying anymore it's not their problem it's just you know mm -hmm. it's taking longer to launch but maybe that's not that big a deal uh, mm -hmm. so really the risk for me is controlling scope creep keeping the project mm -hmm. focused on the outcome the desired outcome so that they're not throwing new features at me for a year and then a year later i've built a completely different application than we originally talked about mm -hmm. so for me it was all um, in a situation like that if you're focused on the goal instead of the path to the goal uh, you just keep your eyes on the outcome and you and critically keep the client's eyes on the outcome then you can get there you know with minimal uh detours i guess i would say you know there's going to be mm -hmm. some there's going to be some whoopsies along the way but that's normal um, mm -hmm. but anyway so if you take that kind of risk that's how i think about it and i would think about it similarly internally so for example for example to, so to the point of focusing on the desired business outcome when i was internal at staples which is my my one big corporate job which is probably the most similar to a lot of people mm -hmm. listening me and a, a much more senior developer who was an ASP de developer to give you a sense of when this was. Um, so it was, it was me who was like lowly FileMaker script kitty. Uh, but I had done some, I had delivered some really, really powerful applications using little old FileMaker that they used for 10 years after I left. Like it was mm -hmm. a very high business value. Uh, so I, I would, had a little bit of a reputation as somebody who thought outside of the box and they pulled in this other guy who was similar, but he was way more experienced and he was like a real web developer. And they said, we've got this new weird idea for a project. Uh, it was going to be in the retail stores and it was going to have blah, 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 blah. It was basically, it's kind of like, imagine, it was kind of like a key. Let's just say it was a kiosk and it mm -hmm. was going to connect to staples.com, which was like a brand new thing back then. Like e-commerce was a brand new thing and they wanted to have the the dot com in the stores, but you mm -hmm. know, how is it going to connect to the database or how are we going to connect it to the advertising systems to pull in the ads and blah blah blah? So we're sitting there and they're describing this really cool project, right? And they're at and they pulled us in as the experts. I was like, my head barely fit through the door. <laughs> so I'm like all excited, and they're like high-level people in the room, and they're like, and they explain the scenario. And my, my brain was like a seven-year-old at a water park. I was like running from idea to idea in my <laughs> head. Like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to get to work with Tev. He's going to teach me ASB. And like, and we're going to be able to do mm -hmm. this. And how are we going to, the database. And I'm like thinking of all, like all the solutions. And so they, they you know, I'm, if I was listening, I'd be surprised. I was already jumping to like all the possibilities. <laughs> and so they get to the end and like, so what would, what should we do? Or, you know, and so they look at us and like, how, no, that, what did she say? She said, how would you do it? And I was ready to launch into like an architecture mm -hmm. and Tev goes manually. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at him like, oh my God, he's right. That would be easier mm. because the thing that I had constructed in my brain was like a Rube Goldberg machine of duct tape Good. and bailing wire. And to make you breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. To make your breakfast and Ted was like just update it manually just do it manually and i was like oh instantly i was like first of all he's completely right that would be easier but the the real lesson for me was like wow i really went it was not hard to get me into that water park mm. you know real easy to get that's, me in that water park yeah it's cool that you you noticed that though i feel like a lot of people would would fight that they'd be like what no we're going to the water park like yeah <laughs> you know um, he was a hundred, it was a pilot program. It would have made no sense to build that whole giant, like for all the business reasons and all the, the technical reasons, it was just that, that one word answer. I was just like, Oh, it's <laughs> a reason he's the senior developer. And that, and that's kind of the point to the audience. It's like, that's why he was the senior developer. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because he was great at ASP. I don't know if he was any good at ASP. Honestly, mm -hmm. he might've been terrible, but it, it, yeah, he wasn't, but you know, he, but he thought outside of just this he thought about the business right. he thought about the outcome right. like what are you really trying to accomplish here it was just a test it was a pilot they wanted to do it in one store if i remember correctly it was like ten thousand years mm -hmm. ago but but that's a scenario even if i'm wrong about sure. the specifics that that's the idea 
And I, I think that is a, would be a great lesson for people to keep in mind. So like, what are we talking about? You know, David and I, what are we talking about when we're talking about outcomes? It's like, what, what the line I used to say with clients and employers, they would say, hey, we need you to insert this JavaScript snippet into the website. And be like, okay, I can do that. What's the business case? That that was my line. What's the business case? Whenever whenever a non-technical person instructed me something that was kind of technical and I knew it was outside of their wheelhouse, I'd say, like, okay, I can do that. What's the business case? I'd be like, oh, we're trying to track, you know, the onboarding statistics. And I'm like, can't you do that with Google Analytics? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, Google Analytics already installed. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, this totally reminds me of how I illustrate the difference between junior and senior developers where you know, if you go to a junior developer and you say like, hey, I need a chainsaw. Can you build me a chainsaw? The junior developer immediately is like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to build a chainsaw. This is so cool. Like, yeah, like I, I will totally figure it out before you can say anything else. They like disappear in a puff of smoke, like cartoon smoke. And like, you know, they're off, like getting lost, trying to figure out how to build a chainsaw. Mid-level developers, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, can you build me a chainsaw? I'm like, yeah, I built one last week. Like, no problem. I'll have one, you know, by next Tuesday. Like, sure thing. Mm -hmm. And then the senior developer, it's like, hey, can you build me a chainsaw? To which they reply, why do you need a chainsaw? And of course, you say, well, because I lock my keys in my apartment. And they call you a, a locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a consultative approach. And you can do it as an employee is to find out why. Because if, if a patient comes running into the doctor and says, doc, I need a triple bypass. <laughs> the doctor's not going to say, I'll go get yeah. my knife, jump up on the table. <laughs> you know, they're going to say, well, tell me where it hurts, slow down, what's, you know, mm -hmm. and they're going to ask those sort of more diagnostic questions. And it's not, it doesn't have to be done in a sort of, it, you can do it politely and, and it's in their best interest to just be like, yeah, I can do that for sure. What's the business case? Mm -hmm. Just so, because when I'm doing it, and if they say, well, why do you need to know that? I would say because there's probably 15 ways I could do it. Mm -hmm. So if I understand what we're trying to achieve, then I'll, I'll pick the best mm -hmm. way. And they'll say, oh, huh, this guy's promotional material. Or this gal's promotional mm -hmm. material. Uh, this person's going to make me look good mm -hmm. asking questions like that. Yeah, the looking good part is is definitely very, very important. Um, and then, yeah, the the, mm -hmm. the showing, also just showing that you... I don't know, is it thinking higher level? Like you're kind of thinking from their perspective. You're just, you're like, what, what is that promotion material? Do you think? I think, well, again, this is like not my main experience is like external, but, but internally, uh, mm -hmm. if you, it depends on the company culture. It depends on if your boss is a good boss or not. Uh, so again, your boss is a choice. You can pick a different one. So if you have a bad boss, that's a different issue. But if you have a good boss at a company that has a reasonable culture and you are hitting home runs, people farther up the food chain are going to start noticing. Like, it's just going to happen. And so the question becomes, how do you hit a home run? And you hit a home run by figuring out what the people who are up the food chain think is a home run. So you need to, you know, if you're going to, if you're throwing darts mm -hmm. with a blindfold on, maybe take the blindfold off. And taking the blindfold off is that question what's the business case what are we trying to achieve here what you say oh well you know what are the you know if if your boss is alice and alice's boss is bob and you say well, what, what's bob trying to achieve here and if alice is like well you know actually we really need to get certain numbers up or whatever yeah we were talking and we think this is the best way and you could say like well would you be open to a way that would get those numbers up would it take half the time and alice is going to say yeah <laughs> right yeah, it's, it's when you mentioned the dartboard, like I'm just imagining somebody with the blindfold on thinking that that the best outcome is a really satisfying thwack when after you throw the, the dart, um, it just doesn't matter where it's hitting, you know, they take the blindfold off and all the darts are in the wall. <laughs> like that was a perfect throw. It felt great. My form was perfect. And it's like stuck in the dog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course, it's not, course, a, not a perfect. Yeah. Not a perfect throw. Not yeah. a perfect throw. It doesn't matter what your form looks like if you're hitting the bullseye every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of developers will will concentrate on certain metrics that sometimes really matter and sometimes don't. Like, you know, oh my God, this the page loads so quickly, the performance is awesome, the connection to the you know, the queries from the database are are elegant and we're you're not not doing N plus one. And, you know, I think for a developer, like you might think you nailed it, like all of these different things that you've got a lot of control over are, you know, in your eyes, perfect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But 
if it's an e-commerce website and no one's buying anything for some reason, you know, that you didn't really think of, you know, just the way that the navigation is laid out or I don't know, maybe I don't know. I can't come up with like exact. You can't tap like, on the buttons on mobile. It's yeah, like yeah, the, the links are too close together. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. That's. Look, mastery of your craft is a great thing, uh, and I would start there, but you're never going to master your craft if you're skipping from framework to framework every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it feels good to be good at something, but you have to recognize that that's the form. That's the throw. You know what I mean? That's the that's you feeling good about about uh, the minutia of your craft. Mm -hmm. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. The The unicorns are the ones that have that. But then they also know how to think outside of that mm -hmm. to maybe solutions that that aren't limited to the tools that they have in their toolbox and say like, well, you know, there might be a better solution. I'm not good at it, but you might use a better solution or or there might be a solution that is more attractive for some reason. I'm not capable of doing it, but most people don't think that way. They just think like, I'm great at this. I love the feeling of doing of writing elegant code and having no technical debt and all these things that are meaningless to business people. So the unicorns are the ones that connect their expertise, like you know, sub second page load times on a cold cache, and translate that into an ink, you know, to the business people, connect the dots between your expertise and what they want. Mm -hmm. And that starts with finding out what they want. Mm -hmm. And if you know that what they want is, I don't know, a 50% decrease in abandoned shopping carts on mobile, and you're like, I can do that with my craft, mm -hmm. you know, right. then do it. You know, then, but, but don't talk about your, don't come to them and say, oh, the code is so elegant. I actually printed it out and it's hanging <laughs> on my wall. It's beautiful. You know, it's like, no, the thing that is going to get you promoted is, Hey, uh, Alice cut our cart abandonment rate on mobile in half. Mm -hmm. Alice is going to be getting into a lot more meetings after that. Maybe that maybe she doesn't want that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, you know. I mean it's never a ba bad thing though to to basically pay for yourself. Um, you know, and and mm -hmm. yeah, if 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 uh, you wind up delivering value, which we use that phrase I think before already, but it, usually it's it's like, are you doing something that's saving? like people time like your anything that saves your boss's time and like your boss's mm -hmm. boss's time like other departments like that you know they all cost money there's opportunity costs they could be working on other things and so even for internal projects you can you can really kind of make yourself attractive to your to your employer or just pay for yourself by saving other people's time uh more mm -hmm. to what you just mentioned is you can also help your company make more money that's that's a much more almost like an even more direct way of paying for yourself um and then you know those are kind of the two big ones it's either you're mm -hmm. you're saving time or money or like you're helping make more uh you know money and People will really, really notice when you affect the the bottom the bottom line like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to think if there's there's other there's other things too, or maybe it's just everything's a flavor of that. Even if you're not going above and beyond to like the end product or a product uh, or you know internal product that that other people at your company are using, I'm sure just the idea of making your fellow developers more productive like writing good documentation uh creating tests like things that i think a lot of the other people on your team may not want to do because it's not as shiny uh those are yeah. things that your that your manager that your boss is going to notice um they're going to see that like oh wow this is making making my life easier this is uh saving me time i don't need to do things that that i don't like doing um this is preventing downtime this is making it easier to get going i think those things also really set you apart i think the the thing that that i'm i'm wondering though is is oftentimes there there are these two ladders right there's the individual contributor and then there's the management ladder yeah and i i imagine there's a lot of people listening who just in their head it's like oh i never want to be a manager and so maybe they're mm -hmm. they're a little bit careful that they don't want to get promoted into that and then so curious like what's the i mean do you have ideas on on getting rising the rank as, as an individual contributor like is it the same is it different uh i have feelings about it so the first thing i'll say though is that i can count on one hand 
the number of developers my age who still would want to be chasing the chasing the framework dragon that enjoy learning new stuff still. Mm-hmm. So there will there will almost surely come a time, dear listener, when you're like, if I write one more login system, I am going to shoot myself. <laughs> there will come a time when you are sick of it, mm-hmm. almost surely. Mm-hmm. So don't be so sure that you wouldn't rather get into a management role. Uh, if, if it sounds distasteful now, then fine. You know, it, now's not the time. Mm-hmm. But but don't don't rule it out. It would. It's extremely common for that to be the ladder that people choose. Um, but but it really does defend, depend on your motivations. Like what what gives you a sense of fulfillment? What do you enjoy doing? You know. So if if you want to continue to be like an in the trenches coder. I feel like your career path is to build your own SaaS or something mm. like like not not stay as an internal employee because like coding is like it's like the construction work of the digital age. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I sometimes call it coal mining. It's like the new blue collar work, which is nothing wrong with it, mm-hmm. but it's just got a really short career path. Mm-hmm. So honestly, the 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 path to it again, it depends on what you're motivated on. If you're it, motivated by if you want to make a lot of money. You could, you know, go to a fang company and get equity or something. Mm-hmm. I, that's mm-hmm. that is completely a black box to me. It's <laughs> not interesting to me at all. But I know a lot of people make a lot of money mm-hmm. there. Um, another way is to just get out of get out of you know start a side hustle, start consulting, build a product, something like that, and you'll be coding plenty if you do that. Mm-hmm. And and at least you'll be building your own business and not somebody else's. So if you really, really just want to stick to coding for the next 10 years, which is fine, again, maybe an internal position isn't the best fit. Maybe. I suppose it depends on the company size. And, you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because starting your own business has a million landmines around it, too. So that's that's also not it's I, I'm, I don't mean to make it sound like it's easy. It's not easy, but you could make a lot more money could make a lot more money and still be coding as a consultant or a, uh, well, you wouldn't be coding as a consultant. Yeah. I, I'll, I, I, the path honestly is just build your own product, I guess. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a, that's a really good segue because I'm about to say, <laughs> Jonathan, this has been great. And where can people find out more about you online? <laughs> uh, thank, well, thanks for having me. I hope it's been a little bit helpful. I know I'm kind of like outside of the normal world. Oh, we want to expand uh, people's, uh, you know, worldview. So I think this has been awesome. Cool. All right, great. Um, I, I think I think for the junior to senior audience, the best play, place to catch up with me would be on Twitter. Uh, hit me up at Jonathan Stark on Twitter. If you have any questions or clarifications, or you just want to yell at me, I, <laughs> I threw a dart in my dog. Uh, <laughs> you can. Dog's fine. You can. No animals are harmed. Fine in the making of this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So hit me up on Twitter. It's easy to find me. Um, yeah. And I can point you in the right direction if you want to learn more about any of this stuff or going solo or start, you know, building a product I service or creating a SaaS or whatever. Um, I can point you in the right direction. Perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Remote work is here to stay. I can show you how to find and hire a full team of remote senior engineers for a quarter of what you'd pay at local rates. To learn more, check out superstruct.tech slash four phase. That's F-O-U-R dash P-H-A-S-E.